Welcome to Highly Functioning, a show about exploring, understanding, and optimizing the mind from a non-neurotypical lens. Hey folks, welcome to our first bonus episode. Now this one shot a little bit differently. This was a post-episode recording we shot a month or two ago, and we weren't quite sure how cleanly it fit into our release schedule, but we thought it was one of the most important episodes or videos to share. The topic we talked about is authenticity and feeling your emotions particularly on air or in a public sphere. However, the reason we like it so much is because we think it really shows how to have an emotional conversation and meaningful disagreement, particularly among men who generally find the emotional conversation part a little difficult. On top of that, we both felt that we left the conversation feeling fresh and validated with no unaddressed feelings or concerns. And we're hoping by providing a looking glass into our conversation, we may serve a blueprint for our listeners to implement that into their own lives. So thank you so much for listening, and we hope you enjoy the episode. Um, The thing that I was like, why why aren't our podcasts manifesting it the same way that we are talking right now? Which is that like, I find that the conversation right after the podcast was so chillax and we're just like, you know, just riffing. And I find that we are more coherent and our conversations are not that the other ones aren't useful, but they're more intelligible and more easily understood when we're just like talking as like regular individuals, as opposed to we're shooting the podcast today. Hey, David, how are you doing? Well, that's, that's just practice because you're running a different code, man. Yeah, I'm true. literally, that's all it is. I, when I run the safe space, I'm just get, like I said, you remember, we talked about this, how uh, you thought like the, your first episode, you had no idea what you said. You thought it was incoherent and then it ended up being great. And literally that's the experience of people I have on the safe space. They think they're nonsensical, but it's, we're just chatting, right? You don't have, if we're just chatting casually, you don't have to think, right? Mm-hmm. You're just talking, right? We're talking about something important to us. We know we have thoughts about our values. And so we're talking about those things, right? And that's when, as soon as the camera's off, people feel comfortable to do that. We're friends, we're talking. But when the camera's on, it's like, no, I have to make sure I'm, present, I'm providing value. And my view is if I find the conversation valuable, okay, hopefully someone else in the world does too, <laughs> right? Um, yeah. Because I find like, even if I'm really paying attention, there's part of me that's like, oh, we're recording this. So I should sit up straight. I should do this, like stuff like I that. I'm I like, mean, I'm actively going, Winston, shut up and just like talk. Um, but the, the, one of the things I want to say, right, um, which we were just talking about, because we were talking about, I guess, a little update is uh, about like when you have little things to do and how they bear on your mind and they actually cause like really, really unproductive days. Cause there's all these things that you feel you that you're what? Yeah. all these things that you feel like you owe other people with doing. And it sort of like just bears on your mental health. And you mentioned that like, Oh, two things. One, like just choose another day. Like for, if today's Tuesday, Thursday, you're going to do this stuff. And then Wednesday, just actively do nothing and say, that's, that's literally my goal. Do nothing. No, you don't um, actively do nothing. You plan to do, do nothing. Nothing. But if, if you actively, that's the problem I have is I too actively do nothing. And I like, no, I shouldn't be doing, I shouldn't want to do anything. I need to do nothing today, which is the other end of the same problem. Right. Okay. That's fair. Um, and you mentioned that like, of course, like if you had a time to go out with your friend and like meet them and you don't feel like meeting them, why would you want to go hang out with someone when they begrudgingly like want to 
like go out and do things with you. How do you reconcile that with like something we just talked about a little earlier as well on sometimes it's good. Demeanor's changed already, Winston, because you know we're recording. Okay, fair. Um, You're sitting upright more. You're present. You're less. You're more. You're and this is this comes back to. (laughs) So I needed to bring this up anyways because we touched on it. So I was talking to a friend from Austin, right? And I wasn't. I was just present in the conversation for you know because of a substance i ate a sandwich let's say and i wasn't totally able to follow the whole conversation right and like in a podcast we're both trying to follow the whole conversation and so we can make sure we comment on all of it and there's no loose ends because you and i really don't like loose ends right um but in that conversation i was just present in the conversation with her so i was listening but I wasn't actively integrating everything she said. I wasn't paying full attention to the details of what she was saying, but I was present in the conversation. I cared and I was listening and I said some stuff when I felt I wanted to say it, right? Mm -hmm. It wasn't proper responses. It wasn't solving her problem. I was just responding how I felt I wanted to respond, right? And sometimes it was random things about how I'm just glad we're talking or whatever it was, right? Um, But that's the thing. That's just being present in the conversation and talking. And so it's it's practice, though, because I have a tendency to want to follow everything integrated and provide the response. But there's a whole different mode. And so when we're – and especially the, the, the more formal, rational, let's call it, integrating mode is – definitely what people turn on when they know they're being recorded or whatever. Right. But that actually gets you away from being authentic and the, like to be a good public speaker, to, to be a successful personality, you need to learn how to be authentic. Like my mom asked me what kind, like, you know, who do I want to be like? And I was like, well, I guess I want to be like Oprah. And she was like, well, have you watched Oprah? And I was like, I don't need to watch Oprah because Oprah is really good at just being herself. I don't need to learn how Oprah is. I just need to learn how to be myself like Oprah is herself, right? Um, And that definitely coincides with what we talked about when you were up in Port Stanley about like there's two types of conversations we could be having, right? The one is you're helping me analyze the problem of why I don't talk to my mom or the other one is you're just there listening, kind of responding. If you don't have a response, you don't say anything or whatever Mm -hmm. it is, right? And my guess is you're similar to me in that you very rarely, if ever had the second kind of conversation. And, and I also find that like, to, but to your wait, point, wait, wait, sorry. Okay. Uh, you were saying something about reconciliation and then I interrupted you with this whole side tangent. No. And, and like, I think this thing that I'm going to say has to do with the initial point and then I'll talk about the reconciliation, um, which is, I also think there's a little bit, to do with the fact that this is going to go online, go somewhere where like, if I haven't thought something through and I put it forward as this is my thought pattern, a lot of like a regular person, when you have a conversation with a friend, you might a year later be like, like, dude, I completely changed my mind. Like that's not the right way to do things. But then I guess like in the public domain, people are a lot less forgiving or don't have the idea of, and it's stupid. I know it's stupid. And your brain's automatically going, that's stupid. Don't even look at that. Right. No, but it's I that I, I, that's not, um, I, I know. 
And so, sorry, uh, I'm not assuming like they know what you think and stuff, but I mean, like, um, part of you goes like, oh, I want to make sure I'm careful with what I say, because if I say something, it might come back to bite me in the ass one, one day. Right. And so that that's what makes you sort of be like, and it's that idea that you talked about a little bit before. It's like, oh, this like political correctness thing puts people in this mode where they're so much, so afraid that they're not authentic. Um, and it, I feel like it's easy to do when you're just having a conversation with a regular person that you know, who has the best at heart. Um, but it does require some training when you're on air or when that like red button comes on to be like, no, just talk the way you would normally talk and understand that the audience that you want to, that you want to build are the ones who are useful and think about the fact that um, like people change and people have like their things change as more information gets uh, brought up. I, it's one issue. It's not two issues. It's not like, Oh, online or offline friends in person or not. Like, I'm trying to literally, and this is what coming of age is for. It's literally to grow from grassroots, a community of people who can be authentic. We need to literally help people feel publicly to just be authentic because there's no acceptability of that. But that's not just the, I mean, social media and the current internet age is the final form of the full problem. Most people aren't even authentic with themselves, right? Right. You and I, I, I've mentioned how we're like, we have an advantage because of our Asperger's type stuff where we always are authentic in a certain way because we're just always honest about our thoughts, whereas most people aren't honest about their thoughts. And so once we learn to connect that to our feelings, we have a huge advantage over other people because I know people who struggle who were much further advanced at being their authentic self than I was, but I had like these mechanisms in place that I could like hyper speed um, this process. But most people aren't authentic in most of their relationships, right? That's, the, only, the only point that I'm making true. is that it's and harder to be authentic um, when that recording light comes on because there's more stuff that you're thinking about. I'm not saying that's like a different thing. Yeah, 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 exactly. I'm only talking about my experience. Right. Yeah. Okay. That's fair. And I mean, it's just, again, practice, right? Like, uh, I don't care. I, and I mean, I did the extremes. Like I was, I used to post videos on social media of me in a, the midst of a terrible depression. And I'd post a video of myself just like crying and being miserable. And I was like, look, this is what apparently social media is to show what I'm about right now. This is what I'm about. And it was practice for me. Um, and I hated myself in the moment, actually, because I couldn't even at that time be authentic with my actual experience. I, I felt like, I, and I've still been struggling with this, actually, like, how much am I just like putting myself on display? I'm like locking myself in the social media cage to put myself out there, right? And it's, it's something I still really struggle with. But the whole thing is practice being authentic. And most people can't be authentic with themselves, with very few others, and certainly not online because society fucking sucks, right? Mm -hmm. Society sucks. And, but my whole point is, and like most of the people now, all of the people I talk to regularly, I can be authentic with because I refuse to talk to someone who I can't be authentic with. Um, And so it's like, if I have 30 to 50 people, then, you know, wouldn't other people on the internet also want 30 to 50 people (laughs) authenticity exactly and um you know why is it that we can't be authentic uh and also like the you know the more i'm authentic the more i show myself as being authentic 
the more people feel comfortable that they can be authentic too, both in terms of viewers and contributors, right? Like I want, there needs, we need to have a thousand people being authentic to drown out the 10,000 voices screaming talking points or whatever it is, right? And it's the hard part is that like this, I almost connect us to that like logical emotional thing, right? Where it's, and not exactly, but um, of like, you know, something is wrong and you know, you should be doing something. um, And then you beat yourself up for not doing it when you don't do it. It's like, I know I need to be authentic. I know that if I, if I want to be anything, I should not just it should not just fit into the mold of what people think. It's just you are a multidimensional human being who has its own set of skills and you are the, you are the brand or you are the person that put, puts themselves out there. And so be authentic to yourself because no one can copy you because you're just being you. Right. And so. That's a really comp like, yes, that that's what I told you once. I think also at the cottage in Port Stanley, like the code you need to learn to run is just the be authentic code, <laughs> but it's a very complex code to figure out. <laughs> Winston, you have to, it's a lot harder because at least for me from a very young age, literally from the age of four or five, I never thought about who I was. I just thought about what I should be doing. And so it took a lot of work. Well, actually underneath all of that programming, who am I? And that's what philosophy is. Philosophy is that programming. You and I just have an advantage because we were much more aware of it than average, right? But we still have, I had almost no knowledge of actually who I was. I had to literally go back. Okay, what did I like doing when I was 10 years old? Why? And like that kind of thing. And so, but it's very much, yeah, the, the be authentic code is the code you want to run. Um, but it's it's much more complex than to figure out um, it's not it's not something you just sit down and be like i know what this code is no it takes i mean it's it's a lot of introspection what do i value and why and there are tools there are all sorts of tools that help with that process right um so there's a there's a website called thinking directions um and it's a she has an her name's jean maroney she has an engineering background and studied philosophy and psychology and it's all about psychoepistemology and how to help your subconscious operate properly, how to understand what's going on. And so it's getting to the meta level, understanding where things come from. And the most important concept is values, right? Is really at your deepest part of who you are, what do you value and why? Not what do people think you should value? What, did, like, what were you raised to think you should value? Like, what is the most important thing at the core of your soul, let's say, right? And it's interesting because, like, already this conversation is much better than the some of ours, right? And, like, I think the more we can get our actual podcasts to go like this, I think they'll flow a lot more smoothly. And I was actually wondering, uh, I don't know if you caught it, but I was kind of half checked out in our recording because... Mm-hmm. Because and you know that was partially my issue. I was trying to be mindful and stuff, um, and I'm in a weird spot today generally. But when I have a, I'm gonna tell you what you did wrong because I can't figure out what I did wrong. So I don't mean to say you did anything wrong. Yeah, I do. I understand. I formulate it right now. Mm-hmm. Um, when we talk about like really interesting, exciting topics we're both like really authentic because we're exploring it, right? Like, and we just want to learn together, right? But the way you were talking about your depression and stuff, I felt you were just kind of reciting facts to me you'd already thought about. 
mm-hmm. right? Rather than kind of experiencing the emotions related to those facts, right? So like most people, when I talk to them about depression, it's more of an emotional conversation, right? And so I have a hard time. I personally still have a hard time like intellectually talking about emotional things, if that makes sense, right? Mm-hmm. And so literally what I was doing was I was just like kind of trying to stay mindful and then respond in the moment, but without really fully analyzing because like what you were saying to respond like in the full depth. So I was kind of like talking from the seat of my pants a bit, but, but because like, but we were in different like modes almost, I feel if that makes sense. Cause for me, I didn't quite see, and I could see, how parts of it you might be like, oh, it's as if these are the points I want to recite. Let me make sure I hit all these points. But other parts of it for me was like, oh, look, I figured out this thing after going through like this specific bout of like depression where like I could sit here and also tell you how much it sucked, right? Um, And how I was feeling in terms of it sucking. Um, But out of that, was this is the thing that I found. And I found that to be much more exciting and much more something that I wanted to talk about, especially that idea of like hormesis. That's why I wanted to talk about it. Um, because I'm like, what I would put forward is that for those things to be effective, you have to combine the two. Mm-hmm. That's fair. Like that's and, and that then also engages me. I don't feel like, cause you know, for us to talk about the solutions you've realized and that I've realized, I was thinking in the conversation, like, and this is, I think it came up when we were talking earlier about what the, like at the start of the whole podcast, like, you know, a couple months ago was like, you know, I have some factual information about what works, but like there's way better resources and I don't want to do the research and stuff. So it's like, it's great that I, so Alex Epstein calls it an opinion story, right? If you want to help people understand, you have to explain your process of getting to the answer, not just the answer, right? Mm -hmm. And the process, especially when it comes to the mind, depression and stuff, the process needs to include the emotional aspects of that process. Whereas, you know, if we just kind of riff about all of the facts we know about how to help our minds, that's fine. And that's like mildly interesting to some people, but it's not going to be as broadly applicable and impactful, I think. So I really like how you said that, um, because I think I, I totally agree, which is the how did you get there is very much the most interesting part. And... And it's I think it helps part, because right? you, yeah, it's also the human and, and it helps frame it for the other person. It doesn't just feel like a theoretical exercise. Right. And I think that's, that, I, I like that. Like, I appreciate you giving me that advice because I'm like, you know what, maybe I should focus a lot more of that and like be a little bit more um, authentic. It's not the word I'm looking for, but a little bit more open in terms of what talking a bit more about the problem and how exactly like the process before talking about the solution. Right. And especially, I think an issue for the two of us is both of us are very good at finding solutions quickly, right? When we, and that was literally, I, I had this to such a degree that I couldn't even be vulnerable because as soon as I had a problem, I solved it and I figured it out and I just accepted it as a fact. And so I didn't even let myself feel any emotion about it. Um, and so I lit- like, cause I just, I would figure it out so quickly, right? 
And so, but then I just came across to people as the guy who thinks he knows everything and doesn't explain why. It's just, this was, this is just the solution. How, like, but it, like, it's about slowing that process down and stuff, right? And it's funny that you say that because the advice that, or the um, thing that I got, I don't know, advice might not be the, 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 the word, but I guess my coffee's wearing off, so I'm slowing down a little bit. Um, I think slower is better. The, That's the, whole point. The, the feedback that I got was that, like, you have everything figured out or, like, you don't necessarily go through these things. Or when someone says something, they're like, oh, yeah, like, we could do this or you could do this and stuff. And sometimes people are like, oh, like you don't have the same problems. You don't have the same issues or like, that's the sort of view that I would look at. And then someone bring that up, but I'd be hurt by it. Cause I'd be like, no, like I feel this so much, so often it's this, that sometimes I go in the thing of me in the time it takes for me to explain all this to you, I can sit here and sort of figure it out myself. And I just go figure it out myself and don't tell you that I'm feeling this way because in the few hours, instead of me calling you and telling you like, Hey, I'm feeling like this, blah, blah, blah. Like I can, most issues, not all of them, but most issues I'll look at it and I'll be like, okay, like I'm going to push it a day or like I'll, I'll go through my own little process of figuring it out myself where I don't expose other people to it. So people think I don't feel it. And I'm like, no, I'm still a human being. Like I still have feelings. I still like go through a bunch of shit. Um, and a lot of the time to your point about like talking through the process, talking through that process, one, I found that it helps other people, but it also helps myself. Cause when I actually, instead of just internalizing and thinking about it, when I talk it through, I can find things while I'm explaining like, oh wait, maybe I looked at it the wrong way. Maybe that's the way that I can do to, that's, that's the way that I can stop that from being an issue later on. And actually having to talk through that process is almost like showing your work or you'll be able to find out if you made the wrong calculation. Right. So um, I agree with the last point because I used to have to talk everything out loud because that was the only way I could see what was going on in my head because I couldn't do it in my head. But when you were talking earlier about like why you don't talk to people about it. I was getting really emotional and quite sad because that's like why I feel so lonely, right? Like we talked in the car about how lonely I feel. And it's because there's literally no one, you're the closest. And even still, we definitely know our brains aren't quite the same, right? Yeah. And, and like, so I feel very lonely because no one has any clue what's how my brain works. And I think it works quite in a uh, unique way. And so to try and explain to someone how, like how it works is exhausting. And then like, it's quicker. Yeah. I can just do the work myself. Right. It's the same. Like when you have, if you're a boss and it's like, well, I could teach you how to, I could tell you how to do this thing, this email, but like, I can just do it then. Right. Um, but it's, you know, I also, I recently was talking with two, uh, different friends, both of whom were going through something similar. And so it made me feel, I suppose, less alone in my loneliness, which is kind of like the, everyone thinks they're alone or whatever. Um, because yeah, like they are having issues with relationships and like needing to spend two hours giving context to someone as to why their feeling in that moment is valid or why their thought in that moment is valid. Um, rather than the other person being able to actually understand. And this connects to the idea of like speaking a different language, right? Like I want someone who understands my language because it's really effortful to always have to explain things 
in other people's languages. And then I just don't bother. And I just become like, I, re I become a recluse or whatever it is. Right. And it's, it's. And dude, really I, I, I feel for you so much because yeah. it's literally like I had my uh, girlfriend ask me this question the other day. It's like, Oh, I don't remember exactly how it went, but she asked me like, Oh, do you sometimes feel like you're talking a different language? That's like the whole language thing came up for me. I was like, I was like, yeah, because we, there was like this, there was this argument that was going on and I was the one in the middle being like, guys, you don't understand how you guys are just talking past each other. And you don't understand this point. Like you guys have completely missed what I had initially brought up. And I was like, I was getting upset. And because I was outside of the conversation and not directly having a fight with her, um, you could see that like removed how that person might be reacting to it. And she's like, Hey, like I could really see how hard you were trying to make people like understand each other and understand what you were saying and things like that. And she's like, yeah, like it was really hard for me to watch. And I was like, yeah, like, as sad as it sounds, sometimes I feel like that all the time where it's just like, and maybe for me, it's like, I'm speaking Spanish and you're speaking like whatever Arabic or whatever. So like, we can't necessarily speak the same language with each other. Or maybe it's like Spanish and French where there's like, it comes from Latin. So there's some places where we're like, ah, you see it. But um, I feel for you the same way. Cause sometimes I'm just like, oh, like you don't seem to understand me or the amount of explanation that it takes for you to just get, for me to just get to the first point is so long that I might just be able to figure it out myself. Or the even more lonely one is when you feel like it takes you an hour to explain something. And that's just the contextual stuff before you actually get to the problem. But people don't spend the time to like pay attention enough to sort of put it all together. And you just feel like, like you have that moment. And I don't know if you catch it when you talk to certain people or you're like, oh, like you don't really get it. You're just like listening, but you're not really like, understanding the point and so you just sort of check out and be like i'm just going to get out of this conversation quickly so i can go be a recluse and figure it out myself yeah well and i like i said i refuse to be inauthentic with anyone now and i didn't talk to my mom for almost two years because we were not able to communicate in the same language and i was like this is too much effort this is not healthy uh you know because of a bunch of other stuff going on but it was very much that in like the most extreme case but that happens all of the time. And it's like, you know, depending on the setting, is it worth it? Or it's almost never worth it if someone is not willing to try to understand you, right? And this is something, you know, that comes up with people like us who are, let's call it more rational, is we're always taught to be compassionate to the more emotional people, but the emotional people aren't taught to be compassionate to the rational people. Like, you know, Oh, yes. You just hit like, the nail on the fucking head. I literally yes. had this conversation yesterday. Go. Right. Yeah. Like, oh, yes. I know that you want me to be emotional with you right now. That's really hard for me. I have this response as my tendency. Can't you show any compassion for that? Right. And so that's really, really tough for people. And it's totally not emphasized in the culture at all. And so it adds to the loneliness of the people like us who like, you know, I really have no one who understands what's going on in my mind. Right. Um, and you know, there's to a degree, yes, everyone has that experience, but I do still think it's objectively truer for some people than others. Right. Um, but I can't be certain of that. I suppose not yet, at least. Um, and I love how you brought it up because, um, I literally had this conversation yesterday with my, with, with my brother, uh, where it's like, I've spent 
so much time thinking about like the love languages, the, the ideas on how other people think about emotionally. And we've had multiple like conversations, maybe you would argue not emotional conversations, but at least conversations about emotion. And I I spent so much time trying to understand it and, and understand it better. And there are a lot of times where I'm like, I understand what you're talking about and I understand it fully and I'm able to empathize with you. But there are times when I can't necessarily do that. And I need you to be able to put the, like, the, you need to step into my shoes as like a two-way street and trying to understand me. Or if I phrase something I, as an emotional view to you, some, like if there's something that you feel and I consistently have to understand it, for the most part, I feel like I can do it because uh, I think I'm an intelligent person. And I can sort of do that relation. But sometimes where things that I can't understand, like try to put it in a logical point of view for me or like um, not, and I might not be, I may be using emotional and logical the wrong yeah. way, but like explain a situation in that sort of view um, and when, like, I, I, I would wish sometimes that people could get on that level as well. So it's a bit of a two-way street where I don't feel like I'm just shouldering the entire burden and no one is looking at me. No, I 100%, I 100% resonate with that. Though I would still, because this is our sticking point, I would still pause it that I don't think you actually know their perspective because I... I think you intellectually understand it, but I'm trying to think of a good analogy, but like, if you've not actually experienced it, you don't, and like, you don't understand it really. It's a different, like entire mental set that I don't. And again, I don't from, from our conversations, I think you're more similar to me and you've not deeply experienced them. I hadn't at all. And so it's very much a totally different experience, right? So it's like the difference between saying like, oh, I know all of the theory of basketball, but you've never played basketball. So you can talk to Kobe Bryant about it, but you won't understand the actual sensations he experienced while playing, right? You can know all of the theory and he can tell you this was difficult and you can like, oh, I see how that would have been difficult and you understand it analytically, but it's not the same as like, that's not the best example, but it's not the same as having actually experienced the thing, right? But see, and if I'm being completely honest, sometimes I find that sort of a little bit hurtful because I feel like, I really like, there's a lot of things that people explain that I've fully understood. It's just, I haven't not understood. I fully felt whether it be things about feeling inadequate things about like, like a lot of different feelings and emotions and things like that. Like I've very much gone through those things. It's just that for me, I think the better argument is that I don't show it in front of other people. Or I will, and we had this conversation way back when, where it's like, I will feel that thing in a, I'll be like, okay, let me go away for a second. And then I will go fully feel that thing. And when someone goes like, no, you don't feel it. It's just like, no, you don't know. Like, you know what I mean? And I'm saying, I, and I apologize if it's, uh, no, no, not like that. No, I know. But I mean, I don't mean, I understand how hurtful that is because I've gotten it as well. And like I said, perhaps I had none of these experiences. Maybe you have, right? I don't know to the degree you're as detached from your feelings as I was. I'm projecting onto you based on our conversations. But when you say, like when you say you've felt inadequate, I'm interested to know if that, where you felt it, or did you think you were inadequate? 
and you experience like psychological sadness at thinking you're inadequate, that's different than feeling you're inadequate. And even when you, um, you say now, like it's kind of hurtful, do you feel it? Do you feel it in your body? That's what I'm wondering. Yeah. Like, like it's that idea that, um, and like, if this is the initial quote that went into my head, right? It's that like, that Robin Williams quote where it's like, have you ever walked into a room, room full of people and felt lonely? Like, I know what that like core feeling where you just feel like everything is just large and you're just like this tiny little thing no, but around you. Feel like in your body. It feels like shit. it feels absolutely horrible when you're in a room full of people and it's just like you you're hit in your stomach is it tension in your muscles well i I, I have to i can't like recall the exact thing but like you could that's what i'm like it, it would be it would not like it would not be that like oh this feels odd this i have feelings of inadequacy what is that feeling oh i think that's an it's not like that that sort of thing like you can sit there and be like wow i felt really shit in that moment and i felt it like i i feel weird saying physically but like no but that's what i'm wondering i'm wondering to the degree you felt it physically i don't know i can't really recall at this point but like you i i'm just wondering generally like absolutely like even even now like it, with this whole concussion thing i've had huge moments where it's just like this physical feeling of like weightfulness i guess where things are like it is things are darker like you have um like your perceptions are more difficult you feel like your body feels like shit like all of these things when you have intense moments of feeling sadness or like points in which you're like i have no reason right now to cry but i just want to cry and i can feel my like body wanting to sort of like get into that mode and i can feel it like you know that like weird scrunching up that happens with your face when you're about to cry like i can feel that being like oh you want like you want to do this right now and i can feel my body wanting to do that and i'm like no like there's not the place, place to cry or like i'll do something else or something like that but like i still have those bodily feelings um and when someone's like oh like you don't have those things it's like no i'm not a I'm not a robot. Like I, I have those. Well, maybe, I my, maybe it's not to the, maybe it's not to the same extent. Which I would, I would probably, in my experience, say it's true. Like there's some people who just like physically get like, 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 up, like upset with things. Mm. That doesn't always happen to me. It doesn't happen to the same level. I don't know if that's just choose training to understand my emotions better, or I don't know if that's just well, maybe well, that's just the baseline of me not being able to do that. But. um I still have those. And so what you're saying actually makes a lot of sense to me because as my mom says, you have a very calming presence. And like, if you were as detached from your emotions as I'm projecting onto you to be, you probably wouldn't because I was not, right? Like I was an absolute mess because I had no grounding. I had no connection to how I felt at all. Um, And so it makes sense to me that you do have some of that. I would put forward though, I suppose it's not to the same degree I had it, but in the conversations, like right now, you could train your brain, and I mean, not literally right now, but you could train your brain such that right now, your subconscious process is focused on your feelings, not on answering the question. So like, 
if that makes sense. So it's like you choose what your sort of subconscious process is focused on. And some people's by default, it focuses more on their emotions and their feelings. And for you and I, it's more so like supporting the intellectual effort. And based on which mode I'm in, the conversation goes totally differently. And so right now I feel myself getting into my head more and I'm, I'm learning to right away catch it and get back into my body and breathe and like, and it's literally, and so, you know, jumping back to the conversation I was having on the phone, all I was focused on was feeling my feelings and responding when I, like, I was, you know, paying attention. I wasn't checked out thinking about something else, but I was feeling my feelings as a primary and still engaged in the conversation, if that makes sense. And, and so with that in mind, I would assume that, like, it is much easier or my... Um, and I explained this recently, which is that like my baseline is more to do the former rather than the latter of like have your subconscious think about emotions versus feelings, whereas some people it's, it's flipped. And I would rather like the way that, sh that you've talked about these things, I would rather say, or I would align better with, uh, not like rather say as in like, it might be true, but I'm going to say something different. But I mean that I would say I'm much better at not it's not that it has nothing to do with feeling or not feeling emotions. It more has to do with my tendency to repress them, which is much more prevalent where like I, if you repress them, you're not feeling them. That's the whole point. No, but like, it's the idea of like, I still feel them, but I have a better, I, I, I still feel them, but I go, no, not now I can feel these later. And I do that more often than I should, but it's right. not that I don't, like I don't get the initial response. Do you get what I mean? Yeah, I mean, but that's that's semantics, right? Like that's an unimportant differentiation because like the more you do that, the more that's the practice, you just get more detached. Obviously, everyone has that mechanism. It's part of being human. You have an emotional mechanism. And so it's the degree to which you give it, you don't repress it. Right. I actually think it's a huge difference. Like I, I, I very much disagree with you because no, like the whole idea of like, no one, like a sociopath, for example, right. Doesn't have that, or at least the way that they understand it doesn't have okay. that initial trigger. Do you go know what right. I mean? Okay. So you're talking about a very fringe, small percentage of the population then. Right. But for the average person, myself included, it's not like that mechanism doesn't exist at all. It's that I just never paid any attention to it. I didn't think it was important. I focused on other things. I pushed that away. And it's just, you shouldn't do that ever. You should literally never do that. And I mentioned this to your brother. It's not, the idea isn't if you let the, if you feel the emotion fully in the moment, you have to let it take over you and you respond based on the emotion. You should fee, fully feel the emotion, hold it, and then just choose to respond rationally still, right? But there's this idea of, well, if I feel the emotion fully in the moment, then I might not make the right decision. Then I might not be rational. So I'm going to just like lessen it so I can make the, right? So I, think, so I think mine's more of a wording issue because I'm not going to say that I've never just repressed it and not paid attention to it, right? But I find myself more often than not, when I'm getting pissed off, I can feel the fact that I'm getting pissed off and I'm like, I'm upset but I'm not going to blow up and yell at you because I understand that that is detrimental to what I'm actually trying to do. 
And so I do that as, as, and so like, that's, that's what I was trying to, and maybe the repression was like a poor wording choice. And there are moments where I do your initial view of what repression is, but I find a lot of the times I do what you mentioned afterwards, which was like the feeling it and then letting it go. So right now I'm going to tell you, I feel frustrated. I could continue this intellectual debate and I could continue to make the points to counteract why we're talking past each other slightly and how there's a nuance here that you're not quite understanding. And if I was in that mental set right now, I could say this frustration is not useful. Winston and I are making progress. We can keep having this conversation and we'll get there. And I know I'm right and I know Winston's smart and he'll eventually get the right answer. And I could continue that debate, right? And that would be fruitful. And I would not, and I'd, but instead I decided to pay attention to my emotions, factor that in and think if I communicate that as well, that's an additional point that might resonate with Winston. It adds information and it helps and it's valuable for me to know I'm frustrated, to understand also why I'm frustrated. And if, I, if Winston and I care about each other and we both have values that we're trying to achieve together, that he'll care about that and it'll actually help. It's more likely to cut through the noise and say, maybe Winston doesn't understand. You admit, maybe you don't understand because I'm explaining the feeling related to it rather than just continuing to debate what I think you're not understanding. And but literally- dude, uh, Sorry, go ahead, finish. Well, and so like, that's kind of the switch, right? And so- I think you and many people and many men in particular don't often just pay attention to the feeling and focus on that. And the whole goal is to have both always, right? A properly, fully integrated, actualized guru or whatever. Um, They have both flowing together and easily or whatever it is. Um, Sometimes people want one or the other. Sometimes people want a problem solved. Sometimes people want you to just sit there and feel with them. And I just say, oh, Winston, like you're telling me that you have a concussion and you were having depression. And I've experienced that. I feel it right now. I feel the sadness because you share it. Like I'm getting literally emotional right now because you sharing your experience brings me back to when I had that. And holy shit, like I'm getting choked up now because I'm focused not on our conversation. I'm still talking to you, but I'm focused on my feelings, right? And like, I'm getting sad because I've not talked much about how awful and lonely my depression was. I still have almost no one who understands any of it. And I feel so alone. I feel so alone because of it. And when you mention it, that emotion gets triggered and see, I'm in a total different mental state now, right? I'm in an emotional mental state. And now I can flip back and I can be rational and I can explain this to you and we can debate it and we can, but just then for five seconds, I was so emotional, like, and I was feeling it and it's a total different mental set. Right. But but, dude, what, 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 what I don't think, and the, the, the nuance that I was making was that I'm not amazing at the flip between back and forth, but for me, it becomes, it becomes painful because of the fact that what you just described, I exactly feel. 
that is the same feeling that takes, that's the same feeling that took over when you told me while we were driving, um, I was driving back home and you were saying how lonely you were. Mm -hmm. I was feeling so upset that like, I have a friend who I really, really enjoy. And I think he's intelligent. I think all these things, and he's going through this and I know feelings. I have feelings that I can look back to where I felt absolutely shitty. And the fact that he doesn't have someone else to talk to, or the fact that he has to like, doesn't have someone the same way that I can to just like pick up the phone and just chit chat about makes me incredibly sad. Makes me like, I was like literally on drive home. I was like, what, like I, this is so upsetting to me that one of my friends that I love is going through this. And I was like, it's the same way. Like it's the same feeling that I have when, when I heard that about you and I literally went home and talked to my girlfriend and I was like, Hey, like this is making me so sad that one of my friends is going through this. And I like, it, it, it even makes me even worse that I'm like, I don't feel like I can have these like long conversations because I'm concussed at the moment, but like, I want to make a larger effort to make sure David doesn't feel lonely or doesn't feel like he can't just pick up the phone and call. It's the same feeling I have when your dad's, when you said your dad's going through a, another divorce and you said your dad's a very um, family oriented person. I was like, man, I can't even imagine, but I can feel for how devastating that might be for him to be someone that really prioritizes family, but doesn't have his family in order. That, like, I can put myself in his shoes and be like, that feel, I, I, I can get a, I can have some little bit of what it might feel like, but it's probably not even close to what he actually feels like being in that situation. And I feel horrible for your dad. And like, when you told me that story, I was like, holy shit, that makes me so upset. Um, I'm not like, and I have those feelings. I have the same thing that like, I think about those things being like, holy shit. Like I, I I'm not doing a very good job of explaining it, but like no, I think I, to my core can feel for them. And I'd be like, I can't even imagine how difficult that is. And I have those. I don't, if the argument is that I don't do that enough, or sometimes I don't spend the time to go through that. Sure. Like I could totally agree with you on that. Um, but to say that I don't have them or, or I haven't had the emotional reckoning or I haven't experienced that is like hurtful. Cause I'm like, no, I totally know how it feels. It's just a lot of the time I don't necessarily do it in front of people or like I can think about your dad right now and I can be upset and I can literally like, be upset when I go downstairs or things like that because I have a physical feeling for it. Like, and this is the, the, um, like, I guess as a, as a different thing, this is sure. Go ahead. So one, I really appreciate that you care that much about me. I really appreciate it. And it's actually like, it makes me sad that, it makes me feel more alone that you have, that you can feel because <laughs> I suppose, you know, we've talked about how maybe I'm a bit more Asperger's or whatever it is than you. And, um, and so when we talk, you're someone I relate to more than almost anyone. And so I have a tendency to project my experience onto you. And I'm very sorry if that comes across as insulting or upsetting and it's just a, a defense mechanism. Right. And so, and I still struggle with all of this. And so as you're explaining that you do have these feelings and you felt them for me, that just actually makes me feel sadder that I'm still alone. Cause I, 
really didn't feel them until I consciously trained myself in the past couple of years. Right. And so it's, you know, I don't know if that's sociopathic or if it's autistic or whatever it is. Um, but I literally had to choose to want to do this and figure out how. Um, and, but what I would say though, as well is what I'm arguing then isn't that you don't feel it is that if you trained yourself to feel it consistently and always be paying attention to it in the same way you're always paying attention also to your thought process, that's the key to self-actualization, literally. Like I've read all, I've read books about Buddhism and, and whatever else. And I've experienced these moments of Nirvana and stuff. And literally, if you actually have that deep access and knowledge to that, if you can learn to totally get both in full sync, which is also what objectivism argues, it's like, if you can synchronize both of these processes totally, that's literally the key to happiness, the key to nirvana. That's, that's the answer. That's the golden answer of, of the meaning of life. Um, and that's why I've said to you, like you and I have an advantage because of the way our brain works about being like hyper present, I called it being grounded and present is just always giving more attention to those emotions. Um, and conversations, I think, and being like, let's say a good interviewer, right? When you look at, uh, when there's like a really powerful interview someone does and like you get out some like real deep emotional stuff and, and it's like impactful and it changes the world that happens not from debating, not from intellectually talking about stuff that comes from that person you're talking to feeling that right now in that moment, you're seeing them, you're hearing them, you're both being authentic together and it makes them feel comfortable enough to share openly without a filter, without knowing that the light is on, right? The best interviewers, they get the guests to forget that they're being recorded. They, because people, celebrities, everyone wants to be authentic. It's like the human desire is to be themselves. And that's the key. And so in all of the relationships, like in every relationship, I try and focus on that in the moment. So I don't mean to say you don't ever feel it, but letting yourself feel that and expl expressing that to the person, that is what a genuine deep emotional connection is made of. So when, you know, who, and it's obviously you don't do this with literally everyone, but with people you want to connect deeper with, instead of, you know, noticing it and saying, I'll deal with that later, you notice it and mention it, right? And that's, you know, I feel like I'm, I feel much closer to you and I know how much you care about me now because instead of going down and debating the point that I think you didn't understand about this mechanism, right? Um, I just said, I'm getting really frustrated right now. I want to talk about my frustration. Um, and, you know, eventually we'll still get to the point <laughs> or whatever, right? Um, but it's a totally different way. And, the connection is values, right? I know we both value the truth. We value each other. And if I focus on that, I can talk emotionally or intellectually, right? Um, and because I kind of have the knowledge, I don't know exactly, like values are kind of the connection in the mind, right? And so my emotions 
are directly related to what we're talking about because I'm frustrated. I really wish Winston understood this important point and I'm <laughs> frustrated that he doesn't. And, you know, and so I'm just focusing on letting you know that. And I think that really helps people be open to differing opinions. That really helps people be open to making a deeper connection, being authentic and stuff. So I'm glad you said that. Um, one of the things that you mentioned, like, and I don't know if this is true to you and like what I initially thought about this and why I wanted to talk about empathy is because my personal view, and maybe you haven't looked at it, I, I don't know, but I can only tell you from my view is that I feel like I have a such a good understanding of being able to empathize with someone else that no one is able to do it to the same degree. Like in that sometimes like I'll see someone who might be in court going to jail or, or in like someone who's gone through, like I have family friends of mine that people hate of, or like, like uh, someone who hates their parents and stuff. And like, I become good friends with their parents because I'm like, I can automatically be like, what would it feel like if you were ostracized from your family because of some like neglect that you've had as a kid and you not knowing how to deal with that neglect only experience more and more neglect from others where you just have a completely horrible view of the world. And like, I can understand that really quickly and I can be like, what drives a person to be this um, upset with people or this like easily frustrated or things like that. And I feel like I don't know. I feel like I have a better understanding of or a better ability to empathize with other people than others, but I don't have a very good idea of being able to show my emotions per se. Um, and it's like this weird dichotomy that I have, but there was one thing that you mentioned that made me sort of sad, but like, I'm hoping this is, maybe you've already thought about this, but it's like the idea that it makes you feel more alone where like I, I would disagree with the idea that it might be sociopathic or it might be any of those things, because if that was the case, you wouldn't be able to train yourself to feel emotion because that, that connection wouldn't be there. So I sort of look at it as like some people are born with like naturally big biceps. Some people are born with like naturally a stronger build on certain things. Um, right. And it's just that like, it's not that your muscles aren't there. It's just that, oh, like you're a naturally skinny dude and you don't have the muscles and you just have to learn how to work them out and think about that mind-muscle connection, right? And so like, I still feel like like 90% of the things that you not, maybe even I can't even come up with a number, but most of the things or most, if not all the things that you bring up, I can totally empathize and understand what you're thinking when you talk about your subconscious and conscious and things like that. And so for me, I'm like, no, I don't like, I can't say you are not alone, but I'm like, I don't feel like you are alone because I feel like I can understand you really well. Um, except I have a tough time telling you how I understand you because I'm not very good at doing that. <laughs> no, I appreciate that. And that makes sense. And I mean, like, I, I don't think I'm actually a sociopath or psychopath, but I think we don't know enough about the mind to know exactly what is going on in their minds anyways. Um, but like I had a friend once we joked how like both of us thought we were maybe psychopaths and then we learned, oh no, it's not the case. We can feel empathy. Um, I'm not religious, but <laughs> yeah, but, um, no, it, it's really interesting because it connects to, I had a huge emotional intelligence. I used to use it to manipulate people. 
right? I could know how to do that. And if I couldn't empathize, I wouldn't actually be able to. But what it was, was actually from a very young age, I, was, I felt my emotions so strongly that I turned them off because they were overwhelming. Like the most vivid memories and in my life were the first time I was, bu- and these were like I, like, I created a persona where I was a shitty person to protect myself, right? I was bullied in junior kindergarten and I remembered this was so painful. I'm never going to let that happen again. A teacher in junior kindergarten lied about something I said. And I was like, I'm never trusting anyone again. And like, there's a few other moments from a very young age where I felt these things so intensely and no one helped me understand them. And so I just turned them off. And when I started to turn back on this mechanism, it went haywire. And I literally used to have anxiety attacks thinking about the when I'd ever I'd eat meat, I'd have an anxiety attack thinking about and being empathetic for the animals. I, I would break down walking in the, in Toronto because I'd see homeless people and just, I had no ability to filter my empathy at all. And I just felt so sad. Right. And I had no ability to mediate it at all because it was like such a weird mechanism that I'd repressed for so long, so deeply. So I know it was there. I what like, I don't not have it, but it was like turned off for 15 years or something like, and it's so bizarre. And like when I started to learn about it and turn it on and deal with it, it was like a bunch of new experiences. It was very bizarre. Um, and yeah. like the, the weird thing about that is like all the things that you said, the reason why I smiled when you said those things, right. was because I'm like, I totally understand that because I went through the same exact thing where I felt like I was ostracized at home, but I was also ostracized at school because I was the odd one out. So in the, your ability to empathize, like, because like the example that I'm, that I mentioned about my dad, uh, not my dad, my, uh, like another friend's dad, like I can understand what made, what are like the possible situations that caused them to become this resentful or things like that. And knowing that I can like, but could be friends with them or things like that. Like I could, I was able to do that the exact opposite way because like people who knew me way younger, like no one would insult me because I, because I have a, such a good way of empathizing. Like I know what's important to you. And I would pull at that thing. Cause I'm like, if you're going to make fun of some fun of me for something that I don't like that uh, is upsetting to me, I'm going to, I know that thing that really upsets you. And I'm going to poke at that. I'm going to poke at that so hard that you never come back at me ever again. Right. right? And that's what and, I did. And I did that, I did that like beautifully is the wrong word, but I did that like amazingly. Like I, I would have people, like I had a friends of mine who were much older that they'd say something and I I clap back so bad that like the whole group went, oh, like all that stuff. And I took that as like a superpower, but yeah, I, I, I can understand that where I'm like, I had so much emotional issues so young that I'm like, this can't be useful. Let me just repress this. And I think a fundamental difference that, uh, that and like I'm, I guess I'm thinking about this off the cuff is that like my relationship with my girlfriend was a huge factor in me being able to understand the emotional sides of things because she would be the only one that I would somewhat open up to at all and then she'd be like oh this is what I'm feeling so I get a better idea of doing it because you know I, I loved her and so I want to get to know her better and so like I had this like opening up to me but the example that you mentioned about a teacher lying to you, like I had that happen to me in fourth grade when a teacher said I did something that I didn't obviously do. And I was so upset 
And like, how could a teacher, a person of authority who is supposed to be someone that you trust and has the best for you lie and put me in a situation in which I didn't actually do something. And I had the same thing. Be like, teachers are fucking horrible. Like Mm -hmm. this is thing. Like I had the same sort of problems as you did. Um, And so like, I don't think I'm like, this might, again, this comes from good place, but uh, I, I don't think you're, you're different. I think you were just late to the party um right comparatively to me whereas i'm and you are right uh and i've had a different set of experiences um so like and i'm sorry if that sounds upsetting because i can think about how like oh like i feel something this way and he's like invalidating this saying that no that's not true and i could i I could see how that might feel come off that way but i'm just like i look at some of the stuff that you've said i'm like oh like i totally get it because i'm i'm you (laughs) in a lot of ways I mean, I'm, I'm very impressed that you're as well put together as you are at your age, because I wasn't. And also, I do have issues with still needing to be a special little flower. Like, I really need to be unique in the world. And so it's hard for me to tease out to what degree I am and I'm not. But there also does seem to be evidence at like a deeper psychological, philosophical lens in terms of how I might be different. But part of it is training. Like I do think part of it is just like the, it's a matter of degrees. Right. And so it's a vector. Right. And so if I was like a little bit more one way, then the trajectory could have been totally different, but I, like like, I totally far enough and you're like, here. (laughs) yeah. Okay, cool. Um, but I wanted to. And can I say one more thing though? Oh, okay. Go. Sorry. And I think this, I think a lot of what we've talked about applies to men generally and the way they deal with their emotions generally, the where they they're taught to, because literally the thing that saved my life was falling in love and having a girlfriend who could help me process my feelings because I'd always felt like that was the safe place to do it. And I'd always so much craved a girlfriend and I could never get one. And then I got one and it changed my entire life. And you see many men who they only feel like they can be emotionally vulnerable with a girlfriend, because if they're emotionally vulnerable with a a woman, they then also try and get with that woman. And it's, you know, an issue. There's all of these ideas that a man and a man and a woman can't be platonic friends and men don't talk about emotions. It's just not a thing. And so the average man has nowhere to go to process his emotions and we're not taught in society how to do it well on our own. And there's also this false choice where it's either I don't deal with my emotions or I let my emotions take over. And most people think it's one or the other. And it's like, and I definitely thought that too. And it's like, no, that's totally wrong. You have to be fully integrated. You have to fully allow both processes to run and, but know what each is for. But the, like the, I think the most important thing is around um, like and that, the relationships and stuff. I think, I think you're 100% again, hit the nail on the head, which is that like, there are conversations that I can have with you that I can't have with a lot of other people because I feel like you're emotionally intelligent enough that where I can sort of be that sort of vulnerable person. Um, 
which is great. That's why I like talking to you so much because it's like you can be on the same level intellectually as well as emotionally and you know how difficult it is. So I feel like you can empathize with, oh, like I understand what he's saying in that and he's just not saying it right, but I have a better way of explaining. And I'm like, oh yeah, that's exactly what you mean. But it's just because I have to close this, close this screw. Um, I totally get what you mean with the, like, I have that special little flower thing, which is like, there's a lot of things that I'm like, I could do that. If I spend enough time thinking about it or hard enough, I could do anything. But there's, I have a tough time looking at that and also looking at the idea that there's like, oh, someone who's just better than me at doing some like engineering thing because they're more interested in that subject and other and stuff like that. Where like, I have a tough time reconciling like, oh, be okay with it. You might not be the best at something. But also it's being like, yeah, I feel like I can do a, but like I'm, uh, I'm special. <laughs> so like, right. it's, it's hard to reconcile the two together. And depending on the day, I'm like, oh, like I'm just another regular person. Other ones like, oh, like I'm like, and it's tough because it like boils around in your head and you can't decide which one and different experiences cause different, I guess, outcomes. Yeah, no, and that's fair. But I think. I mean, I'm just the kid who still thinks I can do anything. I, I, I Exactly. If Same. I decide to do something, it might take a long time and I'd have to learn, like, I can't do it today, but I can do it, right? Like, if I just put my mind to it, if I really want to do it, I can do anything. And that's- It's the, it's the mental hold my beer. <laughs> it, and it, I think that's so important to, to have, right? Um, what, I don't remember the point I was going to make, but- I think Oh, like for me it's been interesting because the more I've gotten engaged with people who can engage with me intellectually, the more alone I've felt emotionally because almost all of them are really bad at the emotion stuff. And that's been my experience is that like the ones who really focus on the, let's call it the right side of their brain and making that work as perfectly as possible, they can't make that connection over. And so that's also the projection, like I was projecting that onto you as well. Um, because many of the people who I have like really good, interesting intellectual conversations with, they don't get any of this other stuff. And the ones, the most of the people who I could have really kind of emotional like intelligent emotional conversations with they're kind of from the spirituality camp and they're like, they're not based in like fact reason logic necessarily. <laughs> right. And, but like, there's still valid conclusions they reach, right. That are important that I really want you to like do this 10 day meditation retreats. And we can talk about how cool the human mind is and how smart Buddha must've been to figure some of this stuff out. But um, like, so I've totally felt like as I've been struggling to integrate both, like I've been like split in the world. Right. Um, yeah. And, and the, yeah. the left side, sometimes they have the right outcomes. It's just their reasoning didn't make any sense how they got there. <laughs> and it's right. like, and so I it's, know this is true because I've done it and it's true. It's just the way that you explain how I got there is complete bullshit. <laughs> right. And I think that's <laughs> like, I'm, I'm almost lucky. I, I said to people, if I would have discovered objectivism before Buddhism, there's almost no chance I would have been able to go down that route as well because the explanations don't make any sense. But I followed it and I tried my best and I stumbled around and I got to really important insights, 
right? Um, because I was really craving those insights and I've not found those insights anywhere else, but their explanations are bogus, right? <laughs> and so it's like, and so it's like how, what I want to spend my time doing is learning how to translate that, right? Um, but bringing it, bringing it back around, because I really want to hit this point home, um, I want you to practice being more emotional in the moment, in the conversation, letting those come up. Because also for my own benefit, because I still struggle with that enormously, mm-hmm. right? And so like, I want to be able to talk more emotionally with you. And I think we'll literally change the world if we can both learn to talk from our left brain together. But I very much, this is my default mode. This is your default mode, right? And um, when I'm talking with certain female friends, my default mode, like they're, like it just turns on the other part of my brain. Like it literally, I'm just responding to them. And so that's what's activated. But it's very hard for me to like focus and activate that part on my own. But if we can like learn how, if we can learn how to like purposely and causally have that, like a totally emotional only conversation, like that would be really interesting. But I get very excited about all of this stuff too, which then like (laughs) triggers me back into my like other thinking. And it's it's even at like a deep, like introspective level, like, cause I, I honestly do think you and I, and, and you know, what we're working on is going to be at like the forefront of important psychological um, progress, let's say. And so like, there'll be times where I'm like deeply introspecting or whatever. And I'll like think of something and I'll be like, that was a cool process. And I'll like totally just get zapped out of my own emotions. Go back, go back, go back. Yeah. And so it's, I, today is literally a new phenomenon for me because I'm now practicing letting myself be totally unfiltered and excited and still mindful which is like, it's like I'm trying to do mindfulness on like insane mode. Steroids. <laughs> yeah, because very much like I was so focused. Well, to be mindful, I need to slow myself down so I can be mindful. But it's like, but sometimes I don't want to be slow, right? And so, and so today I was like hyper speed and consistently trying to be mindful too. It was very bizarre. But it's funny. The first thing that comes to my head is like drunken monkey style <laughs> where it's like, you're so in tune, but like, you're so like that, like no matter how fast something's coming at you, you can just like weave in and out of things. Cause right. you're like feeling it. Uh, it might not be applicable whatsoever, but like, that's the first, that's the only way I can think about that, it right now. That is essentially, I mean, it's a bit of a stretch, but it's essentially <laughs> like what self-actualization is. It's very much like, I used to live in a very childlike animalistic state of reacting to things, but the full self-actualized human state is you're just living in the moment, but with your full human capacity for rationality and emotions, totally engaged exactly when you decide, whenever you decide. Right. And so you are then in this drunk, like that's the whole point is I'm totally present. And it was so bizarre because Today, I was working really hard for 20, for two hours in the flow or whatever, right? Um, Like just working really hard. And then I went outside and sat for 15 minutes and was totally like, like, (laughs) it felt like I was on mushrooms. I was so calm. And it was like, and 
it happened like that, right? And the whole goal is to be have that much control. So literally, whatever you decide, whatever you will, that's the mode your mind's in exactly at that moment. It's and like you know, it's it's training. It's a lot of work, but it's training from both mm-hmm. ends, right? And I'm super excited for it, um, especially because, and this connects to your earlier point it's that you mentioned. Uh, yeah, that too. Uh, Nirvana is absolutely exciting. Not just the band, the actual uh, <laughs> Buddhist concept. It's a bad joke. Um, but um, I'm excited because like, I think as men, especially like the generation, like we might be different generations, but we're fairly close. We're like, generation. we, well, I mean like whatever, but yeah, forget it. Um, where it's that like, you know, as a kid, anytime you were ever close to another male friend, there was that like, okay, type of thing. Like that type of thing happens. And I feel like you've been socialized to almost think that way. We're like, of course, yeah. that had nothing to do with like um, LGBT or gay or anything like that. Right. But it just had to do with the fact that like, oh, like men can't be close to each other because if they're emotionally with each other, that means there's like something sexual involved or something like that. Right. Well, and so like awesome. you almost socialize or sometimes when you do that with somebody that's like close to them, you're like, make like a joke, like a very like macho joke to like uh, make sure it doesn't get too close to that. Cause you almost have that like childlike person in the back of the room who's like making fun of you for it. And I noticed that with guys too, where like, and, and it, it annoys me even more sometimes when it's like, you have to make a joke about it in terms of like, Oh, there's a bromance. And even yeah. like women will do it. I'm like, no, like this is exactly what you gave me shit for of like, you're not emotional. And when I'm an emotional with anyone else, but you, it's like, why are you like, why are giving you me negative impression? Or you're a bromance. Yeah. And it's like, I, I, it'd be cool to like D D train or something D train, but it's like untrain that like little kid in the back who like makes fun of you for being close to another guy. Um, yeah. Well, I think there's two important points though, to expand on that. Um, I don't remember one, but the other one is it's not just that men shouldn't be emotionally close to other men. Cause I used to get, I used to have literally like four month long bromances that would like burn out. I'd have like a best friend. We'd hang out all of the time and then we'd like fall out, but it's not just with men because it's also with women. The whole idea is that if you're emotionally close to anyone, you're, you must be sexually interested in them. So it's gay when it's a dude and when it's a woman, oh, they must be sleeping together. Oh, they must, he must want it anyways or whatever. And it trains the man, the boy's mind to think, oh no, sex and emotions always do go together, right? Mm-hmm. And sex is an, exp- healthy sex is the expression of the utmost valuable emotion, right? Like love, right? But it's from people don't understand it properly. So they just like kind of, harden it like whatever they make it they put it together at a very surface level and so it's like no matter who i was trying to get emotionally close with it was always wrong it was always not like either i especially i was always told i should be trying to sleep with them what do you mean you just want to be your friend what's wrong with her why why don't you sleep with her right like that's the messaging i got at least um and then I think yeah. the delineation is important like and it's often you don't get taught that and no one really talks about it. Like people have a tough time talking about the birds and the bees, right? Like in kid, as a kid, yeah. like good luck talking about <laughs> like taking that to the next level. Right. Well, so. That's why I really, I'm going to do a whole show about sex, right? Like we need to start talking about sex consistently and casually. 
not grotesque, like nasty stuff, but just <laughs> talk about the subject properly, right? Mm -hmm. It's absurd to me that we still, as a society, can't talk about one of the most important things in human life properly. Sex well, you need it for human life. <laughs> yeah, but I don't just mean that. <laughs> no, no, but I'm just, I'm just saying, like, it's kind of ironic. Yeah. Um, that is literally one of the most, it's literally the reason behind evolution. <laughs> right, but the other aspect of sex is what makes people more uncomfortable. Not the physical act. There's lots of that. Uh, like, it's, it's the, the emotional bond that you have. Emotional with importance of it, the value, the significance of it. We totally don't talk about that. And because we don't talk about that, the whole subject's like taboo. It's the entire wrong approach. Um, and it's kind of funny. Um, I guess to go all the way back to picking your nose, we have a tough time talking about anything that has to do with bodily functions and the, the feeling behind them. Farting, pooping, picking your nose, a yeah. cold. Like if someone has a cold and tells you about like them sneezing or like yakking, it's like horrible. Like, um, but yeah, I guess there's a lot to be done in the next 2000 years. 2,000 years. Oh, well, that, that was actually bad math considering we've been thinking longer than 2,000 years. The world didn't start at 2,000. But yeah. I, I would assume progress is exponential, but it's not guaranteed. So, As long as there's no burning of Alexandria in the process, it should be, <laughs> it should no, be exponential. We, you know, progress isn't guaranteed. People have free will. And so like, people can choose to not progress. If Dude, I, I've just had an emotional conversation. I've just like, thing. I don't even want to get into it right now. <laughs> like we could get into it at some other time. You're probably right. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just like, I'm fried right now to be able to do that. That's fair. But Dude, that was great. And it's perfect timing. It's almost 1030. Um, and I think I'm going to go see my girlfriend, see how she is and be like, guess what? Let's have an emotional conversation. How do you feel? <laughs> and I'm, 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 I'm being facetious, but... You got to practice that process, paying attention to it, opening it up, letting it out. Oh, wow. They're having a barbecue at Kavon's house. I might go. That's right. Kavon's a good friend of mine. Cool. All right, man. And um, nice. oh, by the, the way, point, last I hope I, but, oh, oh, and okay, fine. I think my last point's a good, good one. Go. This is just a small point. You mentioned how like men are uncomfortable and they always have to make jokes and stuff. Even the, like the male friends that I say, like, I love you. It's always like, I love you, man. I love you, bro. You can't like just say, I love you. Whereas like my female friends, I just go, I love you. But like, it's, I always need, oh, but we're still men. I love you, man. <laughs> right. Yeah, I know. I do that too. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I, but I do the man thing. Actually, I think you might be right. I think I'm just telling myself something. What's uh, your last point? Oh, um, dude, I hate the fact that you sometimes feel lonely. So if you ever feel lonely, let me know. We can I appreciate that, be lonely yeah. together. And so as a result, not be lonely. Yeah, there's a, there's a poem or a short poem that's like, loneliness means you're in desperate need of yourself. Another day. <laughs> um, but I really conversation. It was really good. And I think it helped. I think it'll help the rest of the podcast go like, you know, in that who cares that the red light is on, right? That's also mm -hmm. the same sort of practice. And the, the feeling, the feelings is also what helps kind of ignore the fact that the red light is on. Yeah, I agree. I love All you, right, dude. But see, love even you, there, I have to say it with a snide face and it's a love joke. You, man. <laughs> I love you, man. 
Um, All right, cool, dude. Have a good one. You too. Love you. Love you too. Bye. Bye.